Amen. Let's give a hand to the worship team. Man, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. You guys fired up this morning? We are so blessed by great worship here. If you're wondering who the uh, ex-NFL lineman is with the gospel pipes, that is uh, Gino Mingo, and he is uh, one of the newest staff members that's joining us, uh, coming through our... Can you give him a hand? He, uh, we're so blessed. Actually, his church has come and merged in with us, his life church, and uh, they have joined with us great people of the Lord, uh, more towards the North County, and uh, they have been uh, incredibly exciting people to get to know, and Gino and I have been building a relationship for the past five years, and finally God just brought us together, and we said, I think we can do this better together than apart. So we are blessed to have him in with us. Amen. So we are, we're excited as God is growing us in more ways than one. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and our ushers will put, you, put one in your hand. We love to give out the Bible. We give the word of God freely every week. It's our honor and our joy. We base our lives on this book and it will not fail us. We're continuing on in our Relate series this morning, and we've been talking about building healthy kingdom relationships. Did you enjoy hearing my mentor last week, Jimmy Seibert? Such an honor for me to have him and Laura, his wife, in with us last week. We're going to be continuing on talking about kingdom friendships this morning. If you're taking notes, we're talking about kingdom friendships. So I was thinking about friendships. I started thinking that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd ever been equipped on how to build friendships. So I started thinking about the, the, the guides that I had for friendship. The first one was a very godly guide called my television. And uh, the first friendship that came to mind that I learned about on television was Chippendale. Chippendale... For, uh, on the Disney Channel, I learned all about how you team up with a partner to pull pranks on a hot-headed duck. And so that was probably my, my first vision of friendship. Then I got a, a much more mature picture of friendship through Saved by the Bell, of course. Zach Morris and his friend Screech. Uh, I went around looking for my Screech. Couldn't seem to find one. Also, Zach Morris and Slater, although that was kind of interesting because one day they'd be good friends and the next day they'd be adversaries. I remember as I got a little older and I watched TV a little later in the night, I was impacted deeply by this TV show and its theme song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see your problems are all the same. You want to go where everyone knows your... Oh, you can do better than that. All right. So cheers. Cheers was deeply impacting to me. The problem was I was too young to drink, so I couldn't go to a bar and find my friends. So, you know, I, I also thought there were some TV shows where I learned you could have a best friend with an animal like Lassie. You know, Ren Tin Tin. The problem was my animals seemed to always run off. So, you know, I thought, okay, this, I'm not learning from TV. So I looked at my, my parents' friendships. And I think a lot of times we take our cues from our parents. Now, the problem for me 
uh, was, although you, you've seen my mom and dad before, great people, but my dad's best friend was a guy named Chris. And kind of the main story he always told was how he stole Chris's girlfriend and married her. So that was my mom. So the picture I had of friendship was you steal your best friend's girlfriend. So that also wasn't the best place for me to study friendship. So the last one I learned was, okay, well, I'll just watch friends at school. And so, you know, we had some good experiences at school. I still remember my preschool friends. If you still remember some of your preschool friends' names, would you raise your hand for me? It's kind of amazing that you can think that far back. That wasn't an insult for some of you that are older. Um, the, my, my preschool friends and I had some great times. I mean, great times riding bikes, great times out playing soccer, you know, birthday parties. But there were also some really bad times. I was introduced to some sinful activities. I remember kind of being introduced to some illicit images and some, some, some sinful practices with my friends. I also remember some very painful times. I, one of my most painful is, is really interesting. I, I had really bad allergies growing up as a kid. And so my, my parents had to send me with interesting uh, food to school. And so my mom would make me avocado sandwiches. Okay. Now here in California, that would be very mainstream, but in Round Rock, Texas, avocado and bean sprout sandwiches, I was made, I mean, you have like steak sandwiches in Texas, right? So I was harassed for my avocado sandwiches. I remember almost crying about my harassment. I I remember another experience. You know, I was trying to be a good friend. My friend Carlos was accused of stealing and I stood up for Carlos and I said, he would never steal. He is the greatest guy. He would never do something wrong. And all of a sudden he confessed, yeah, I stole it. Man, I remember some of my, my best friends in high school. I mean, they, these were actually my two best friends. And, and one night, I'm ashamed to say it, but we snuck out, snuck out the older brother's car and got caught. The only problem is they got caught and I didn't get caught. And I remember the next day, my two friends dropped me like a hotcake. I went to them, hey, hey, what's the deal? They said, well, we're just kind of bitter. You didn't get caught, so we're not going to be friends with you anymore. Wow, so painful. So if you're anything like me, I imagine that the area of friendship is something that's really important to you, but that you might have a lot of pain in. I remember one time not getting invited to this party and, and calling and saying, hey, can I come to it? They wouldn't tell me the directions. And finally, the guy with me said, hey, listen, they don't want you there. You know, we all carry wounds from friends that are like these situations. And so in some ways, we start giving up on friendships. I want to tell you, as we look to the Bible, God paints a different story. When I finally got to college, I was pretty disillusioned thinking, you know, friendships are just something that I'm not going to have. And so I remember the first time I met Robert Fuller, we were in our dorm. He bounded up the stairs. He had a guitar strapped around his chest. He walks into my room with his twin brother and they play the most perfectly harmonized version of Sweet Home Alabama. And I'm listening, he has this southern charm, you know, this exciting guy into the outdoors, into music, things that I loved. And we started doing everything together. The problem was, just like all my friendships, we came to this big disagreement. It was my birthday, he was my best friend, and he forgot it. And I went and said, how could you do this? We're both kind of hot-headed, we clashed, we hit heads, we got in a big fight, and I thought, boom, that's it. Just like all my relationships, they always end up in fights. We always disagree, and I'll never see Robert again. Crazy thing, at the end of the day, 
he shows up with a present in his hand. He says, man, I'm really sorry I missed your birthday. You're really important to me. You know, we, we almost sang, only you. It, it was a powerful moment for me because for the first time I learned that kingdom relationships are very different. That they're not easily disposable. That they're not easily breakable like friendships in the world. You see, Robert and I shared a common faith. And both of us were wanting to see Christ with all our hearts. And it was so healing for me when he came back and said he was sorry. And I said, man, I'm so sorry for losing my cool. And we came back together as friends. And our friendship was actually stronger because we went through a rocky time together. He's still my friend to this day. You've probably seen him before leading worship for us. He's now my brother-in-law. My life was changed through this friendship. Today I want to open the Bible and look at kingdom friendships because I believe God wants us to define in our lives how his intent for friendship is a huge asset to us. Now when you look at the Bible, you see numerous famous friendships. You see Elijah and Elisha. You see Moses and Joshua. You see Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Timothy, Jesus and John, Mary and Elizabeth, to mention a few. Today I want to study maybe the most famous friendship, and that is of David and Jonathan. And where we pick up is in 1 Samuel 17. We're going to start in verse 56 and go to 18, verse 4. It says this. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. And as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. With David still holding the Philistine's head. Now, interesting place to start a friendship, but let me just paint the story for you. Little shepherd boy David has gone to the Israelites' front of where the army is facing the Philistines. The Israelites are backing off. They're all scared. There's a massive giant named Goliath on the other side. He's taunting the people of Israel. No one will step up to fight him. Little David, little shepherd boy, full of the Holy Spirit, excited to serve God, steps up and says, I will serve him. And that's where we begin this journey today. Verse 58, whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. Saul is the king. Saul's the king of Israel. He just saw this shepherd boy kill the giant, cut off his head. And he's saying, whose son are you? David says, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. Verse 1 of chapter 18, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Point number one, if you're taking notes today, point number one is this. Kingdom friendships are built on love. Kingdom friendships are built on love. I want to give you attributes of a godly friendship so that you can know how to build your relationships. Kingdom friendships are built on love. They're not built on how much money someone has, what kind of doors they can open up for you, how popular they are, how influential they are. Those are worldly ways of looking at others and deciding if you want to be friends with them. The world says, I want to be friends with someone who can do something for me. In the kingdom, friendships are built on love. David was not an influential man. David was not a powerful man. David had no money. David was a little shepherd boy who came from the backside of nowhere. His family wasn't known. And yet Jonathan 
looked at him and loved him. He wasn't looking at David and saying, wow, you can really get me somewhere in life. Their friendship was based on love. Now, on the flip side of this, this is really interesting because their friendship starts after a huge success for David. And you have to ask yourself when you're starting friendships, am I okay with other people's success? That's a great question to write down because you'll never be a great friend if you're not okay with other people being successful. David should have been a threat to Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. So King Saul over Israel, Jonathan, the heir apparent to it, he should have been the main warrior. He should have been next in line. All of a sudden, David comes to prominence. And instead of being jealous, instead of cutting down, instead of gossiping, that's usually why we gossip, right? It's usually why we cut down people is because we're jealous. We don't want someone else to get the attention. Instead, Jonathan comes and loves him as himself. It's very powerful. Now look at what it continues to say here. It says in verse 1, he became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. You know, the only way that you can be a person of love is if you are secure and you know that you are loved. Let me say that point two is kingdom friendships are built on personal security. Until you are a secure person, you'll never have a kingdom friendship. Now, there are several reasons why Jonathan was secure that I want to just identify. And if you're taking notes, write these down too. We're going to take a lot of notes today, but this is very important. The reason that Jonathan was secure was he was confident in his father's love. You know, as long as you're going to other friendships just looking for love, you're like a human vacuum cleaner. You come up to people, right? I need your love. And we're just sucking people dry. But if you come full of love, then you come to give and not just to receive. Jonathan knew that his father loved him. He knew his father, Saul, loved him. He was secure in that place. But ultimately, he was secure in God's love. You need to be secure in your heavenly father's love. You need to be secure in your heavenly father's love. You need to receive love from your heavenly father so you can give love out. Number two, Jonathan knew that there was a place for him. It reminds me of Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6. It says this, Lord, you alone are my portion of my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. You can never be a good friend if you're insecure that you don't have a place. If you have a scarcity mentality, wow, Johnny got this. That means I can't get it. Well, Johnny got praised in the, in the soccer game. Well, Jim got the job promotion. If you have a scarcity mentality that there's only so much to go around, you'll be jealous of other people. But if you know, no, the Lord assigns my portion of my cup. He makes the boundary lines fall in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. When you become secure in that, like Jonathan was, it's okay for others to be promoted. Are you following me? I'm about to start preaching. Number three. Very important is he, Jonathan had a kingdom perspective. Do you have a you-centered perspective or a kingdom perspective? Jonathan was excited when his kingdom had a win. So David goes out, throws a slingshot, takes down the giant, and he says, yes, my kingdom is winning. Jonathan wasn't like, oh, bummer, I didn't accomplish the win. He said, no, my kingdom, my team. When you see other people around you winning, are you jealous or are you excited because God is blessing them. Hello? 
You got to have a kingdom perspective. I'm going to get you talking by the end of this sermon. Let's look at verse three. It says this, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. The third point today that I want to make is kingdom friendships are others centered. Kingdom friendships are others centered. It says he loved him as himself. Philippians two, three through seven is such an important verse for us in understanding how Christ was, how Jesus was with other people. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. You've got to be other-centered. Let me just give you some practicals. We're going to get down and dirty in this, okay? Let me give you some practicals for being other-centered. First of all, are you other-centered in conversation? Right? You go up to someone and you have a conversation with them. I want you to listen next time. How much is your mouth going blah, 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 right? How much are you talking in a conversation? I'm amazed at some people I talk to. And by the end of the conversation, I've said a few words. I'm like, hey, yep, uh, yes, uh, hey, you know, you, I can't even get a word in edgewise. They're just talking the whole time. In a conversation, it's important for us to listen. And it's important for us to ask questions. We're being other-centered, right? I'm, I'm teaching you real practical. This is what I teach my kids. I teach my kids that conversations are like a tennis match. Now, I'm not a great tennis player, but I do know this, that... One person serves, and then you wait for the other person to hit it back. You don't just take out a ball, whoop back, whoop back, whoop back, whoop back, you know? No one would enjoy that tennis game. But some of us in conversation, we're like, hello, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can you believe what I did? You know, there's, whoa, 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 whoa. Just get hit. In a conversation, you serve. And then I teach my kids, don't, how are you doing? Good. You don't just... I say, say, good, this is a good week. Use more than a one-word response, okay? So then, boom, they hit it back, nice and gentle, right? And then the, the person follows up with another question. What's going on this week? And then you answer, boom, 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 right? But then the serving switch sides, right? And then you say, well, how are you doing this week? Boom, right? I, I know this is simple, but... I don't think a lot of us have been trained in this, and we certainly need to train our children in having healthy conversation. How much are you listening? How much are you asking questions in conversations? Do you just want to be understood, or do you want to understand someone else? Is your goal just to prove your point, or are you trying to draw someone out? Right? Now, let's look at this the second way. We need to be other-centered in the way we serve. We need to look for ways to serve other people. Let me tell you, I was horrible at this as a kid, and I'm still trying to grow in this. I, I had this friend named Danny, and he frustrated me so much. And here's why. Because in high school, I would wake up every day, and I would think, what do I want to do today? What's the most fun thing I could do? Let's go to the lake. Let's go out on a boat. Let's go rollerblading today. Let's go play this. Let's, let's go out to the country. Let's do, I would all, and every day, and I call Danny. Danny, today, let's go to the lake, right? We have three hours. Danny would say things like this, Robert, I'm so sorry. I talked to Jennifer at work, and I told her I'd cover her shift. 
so that I, so that she could go to the hospital and visit her, you know, ailing dad. And I'd be like, oh, Danny, right? <laughs> I'd get mad at him. Danny, why are you always serving people? Danny, let's go to the movie. No, I'm so sorry. I told my dad I'd help him rake the yard today. I'm like, oh, Danny, you're spoiling my life here. I, I get so frustrated because life was all about me and I wanted to do my own deal. But Danny was always serving other people. You know, in the old days, when, when you needed to do something, you know, let's say the, the, the farmers or ranchers, they needed to build a barn. You didn't just call, you know, you didn't look online and say, okay, who's the best barn building business? You know, you, you talk to your friends and your neighbors and they all came around. I remember being in New Mexico two summers ago. And I was out on a ranch branding cattle, and there are all these men out there. And I said, man, you know, all these guys work for you? I was talking to my friend Gray, you know, and we're branding the cattle. And he goes, no, no, no. These are just my friends from around the area, and they come in to help me, and then I go to help them when they need help. I'm like, that is novel. (laughs) You know, these days, if we need something done, you know, we're just get on the Internet, see who has the cheapest price. That's not God's model of friendship. We're looking for ways to serve people. I, I couldn't have made it these past five years if there weren't true friends in this room that have served me. I had to move 11 times, right? Probably some people left the church probably because I was moving so much. And I don't want to be around a pastor that moves so much, right? Because when someone moves, they need help, especially if you have a pickup truck, right? I noticed that we have very few pickup trucks in this church. <laughs> But people would help me. They'd show up to help me. They, we help each other by taking care of each other's kids. We help each other in times of need. This is what true kingdom friendships look like. Are you a person, ask yourself, am I a person who looks for ways to serve those around me? Lastly, the way we have other-centered friendships is that we respect people's boundaries. We respect people's boundaries. I remember when we started the church, it was so fun. We were just meeting in a house. We didn't know anybody when we got here. And so our our dining room table was the main way we got to know people. And there were 17 nights in a row that we had people over for dinner. That was fun, but it was very challenging. And I learned something from those 17 nights in a row. I learned that there's a difference in the way that people respect one another. You know, some people would come in and they would, they would, they would sit down and they would ask us questions and, and they would get up and they'd clean off their plates and they'd take them to the sink and they'd wash them. And I remember one guy, he'd always pick up, he'd, he'd go and take out our trash for us without even being asked. I felt so honored by him. Now, some other people, they'd go right into my house, walk up to my refrigerator, open the door, take my little infant's milk, pour it down, you know, and I was, uh, you know, here we are, brand new church. I didn't have much money. I'm just watching the milk go, doo, 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 you know, I'm starting to feel parched third. You know, I'm looking at my kids going, oh, Lord, protect those kids. You know, and I still love those people, but there was a major difference in how they respected us. Let me ask you, do you respect people's boundaries? Are you looking to bless? Or are you just saying, how can I use people to get what I need? Let me, let me get real serious for a second. In the area of men and women relationships, okay? Men, when a woman says she doesn't like you, don't keep hanging around her all the time and flirting with her and hoping that she changes her mind, okay? It's not going to happen, okay? Women, 
coming after you now. <laughs> Women, if you don't like the brother, then, then don't flirt with them just to get some need met in your heart, right? Amen? Amen. Thank you, women. We, we need to be people who respect one another, not just thinking, what feels good to me? What do I want in relationships? Let's keep going because I got a few more things to say before we close. The, the, the fourth point today is this. Kingdom friendships are committed. Kingdom friendships are committed. It says this, that Jonathan made a covenant with David. Jonathan made a covenant with, with David. Now, this is not something popular today. I, I, I learned from experience that, man, relationships are easily breakable. I, I didn't have a concept for commitment until Robert Fuller came along. And when we went through a rocky place, he came back and said he was sorry. I said I was sorry. And we were even closer afterwards. In today's world, we, we, we're given this lie that, that no relationship lasts forever. 50% of marriages that are supposed to be the closest relationship are ending in divorce. You even have parents that leave their kids. And so you're thinking relationships don't stick together. And God's saying, no, friendships are supposed to be committed. Jonathan and David made a covenant. Now, what I don't want is you to walk outside after church and all of a sudden put your hand under someone's thigh and be like, I covenant with you, my brother. Right? We, we would be written up as the weirdest church in America. But what I am saying is, is your view of, of friendships, you know, when it's convenient Oh, I don't like that person anymore. They kind of said something hurtful. Or are you saying, I'm going to work through this. I'm going to stick with this person. Friendship should be a more, more like family where you go, I'm going to weather the seasons of life. You know, sometimes we might spend more time together. Sometimes we might drift further apart, but I'm committed to this friendship. Now hear me church, because what I'm not saying is that you need to have a committed relationship with every person in this room. That's just simply impossible. But I do want to tell you that God is going to highlight different people for you because you need friendships and he wants you to commit to those people to walk through life with them. You heard my mentor last week, Jimmy Seibert. I was so impacted when he and Laura one night sat down with me and Stephanie said, you know, we really see ourselves walking together for the rest of our lives. Wow. You know, that, that, that's not what we know in the church. That's not what we see. We see, you know, just people going, oh, there's a better church here. There's more money here. You know, I've got a better opportunity or we got in a fight. No, but these people are saying we want to walk together for life. Now, I know that people make mistakes. They say dumb things. Things get hurt. But I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint God's picture that in Scripture, there were relationships that walked together. And it br brings this stability. It brings this healing and warmth through our heart that I'm committed to this person and they're committed to me. One last point found in 1 Samuel 18, 4. It says this, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Let me say lastly, Maybe most importantly, friendships are costly. Kingdom friendships are costly. If you want a true friend, it's going to cost you your life. Jonathan just didn't, didn't say, hey, armor bearer, go and get me some extra bow, that extra, that extra belt, that extra, hey, go into the, you know, my old used clothes and get me the old tunic. No, what does it say? It says he took off. He takes off his tunic. He takes off his belt. 
He takes his prized sword. He gets his bow and he hands it to David. These were his own personal items. And he puts them in David's hands. It wasn't just his leftovers. It was his very best. And you see, it's because this, in a kingdom friendship, we actually push each other into our destinies. You see, David was called to be a warrior, right? He, he, he was going to be a great warrior for Israel, but David had nothing. He was just a little shepherd boy. He showed up in his little dress and he had his little slingshot. And all of a sudden he's standing around all these warriors. And so Jonathan sees him and says, you're called to be a warrior. And I'm going to help thrust you into your destiny. So here, take my sword. Take my coat. Take my belt. I want you to succeed. That's costly, men and women. Reminds me of the early church in Acts chapter 2. It says this in, in verses 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who... As they had need. Right? It wasn't this communistic, hey, we're making people do that. No, their hearts rose up and they said, it's not okay for this brother to not have food. It's not okay for this sister to not have clothes. It's not okay for their children to be in, in want when I have all that I need. And so they started selling things and so they started giving it away. And you know what happened? The, the world around them started to take notice. Kingdom friendships are costly. They take sacrifice. It's when it's inconvenient. You know, I, I got here and I, there were some things about the culture that, that really offended me. And, and one was this, I would call people and they would never call me back. And then I'd see them two weeks later and they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I never got around to it. And I thought, man, that, that's just, I'm a friend when it's convenient to you. And that really struck me. And I said, man, Lord, help me not be like that. Help me be a person who lays down my life. Help me be a person who gives, even if it's going to cost me something, if it's going to cost me my time, if it's going to cost me my emotions, if it's going to cost me money. You know, I went to this movie several years ago. I was excited to see it. It was uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the first one, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. I love how Narnia paints the kingdom. And so I was expecting a, a good time. I was expecting to be impacted, but I wasn't expecting to be cut to the heart in regards to friendship. You see, the, the producer took liberties on this character named Aureus. And he's this half man, half horse. He's this massive, ripped horseman. And... He comes alongside Peter. You, you guys probably know the story. Peter's the young boy that he and his siblings get taken into Narnia. And all of a sudden, Aslan says, you've got to lead my army. Aslan's the God character, the big lion. And he says, Peter, you've got to lead my army. And all of a sudden, Aslan's gone. And so Peter's standing in front of this army. And he's looking at the white witch and all the, the evil hordes that are coming at him. And he's just freaked out because he's this young teenage boy. But then Aureus steps up. Right beside him, this massive horse man. And he looks to the side and says, Aureus, stay with me. And Aureus looks at him and says, to the death. And I want you to watch this scene and watch what happens next. 
to see the impact that it had on me. I saw that scene, and I wasn't expecting it, but I just doubled over and started crying. And instead of seeing myself as the young boy Peter, I started asking myself the question, am I a friend like Aureus? You know, when my friends have been called up by the Lord for their kingdom endeavor, am I that kind of friend who would stand by them and say, I'm with you till the end? And when my friend falls, am I ready to go and lay down my life and give it completely so that they can live and that they can see their destiny fulfilled? And for the next week, I was somber, just asking myself that question, am I that kind of friend? John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no man than this, than he lays down his life for a friend. I want you to uh, look in your insert or look up on the screen. I think we have these three questions for reflection today, because I want you to not leave without asking these questions What needs to change in me to be a better friend? What needs to change in me to be a friend like Aureus who'd literally give his life for another? Number two, who is someone that God's wanting me to commit in friendship to? And lastly, what is one practical way that I can bless a friend this week? Would you take that challenge? Would you not just hear the word today, but would you apply it? Ask God how we can grow in friendship, how we can be friends like Jesus. Let me just end with this. Jesus is the model of sacrificial friendship. You know, Jesus is the one who laid down his life for us. He was the one like Aureus who said, I'll take your place. I'll fight your battle. We had a problem. Our problem was sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person in this room has sinned. There's no one without sin. And you deserve to die because of your sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But God didn't want you to die and spend eternity separated from him in hell. And so Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He did nothing wrong. And then He died in our place. When he died on the cross, it was for your sin. It was for my sin. He took that place because he didn't want you to suffer and die for eternity. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says he himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we could die to sin. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to tell you as much as you need a good friend sitting next to you in life, you need even more Jesus standing before the Father for you in heaven. Do you have that friend? He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Have you started your friendship with Jesus today? If you haven't, in a moment, I want to encourage you to begin that friendship. Why don't we stand up? Right now, Father, we thank you for your word and that in your word you paint the picture of friendship. And Lord, we all want to be better friends to people.
Now, Father, I know that there's probably people in this room today who've never begun their friendship with Jesus Christ. And if you'd say, Pastor, I don't know if Jesus is living in my heart. I don't know that I've ever nailed that down. You can start this friendship very easily. You just ask him to come into your heart and take over. And he promises us that he'll come and through the Holy Spirit, he'll live inside of us. If you need to start that relationship today, if you want to know that you know that Jesus is living in you, if you want to know that you know that your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven when you die, I want you to pray with me right now. You can just pray these simple words right after me to say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I believe in you. I give you my life. Now come in and make me new. I'll follow you forever.